right. So it looks like we are recording. So thank you so much, Maya, for coming on the podcast and for sharing uh, your pearls of wisdom and experience. So why don't you let the listeners know, um, you know, who you are and what are you working on? And, um, you know, we can kind of pick it up from there. Awesome. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me on your podcast. It really is a pleasure to be here. Uh, love, I love having great conversations with fellow entrepreneurs. So my background, uh, I started in the high-end luxury goods uh, business of retail in the mm, late 90s. <laughs> and my first job was with Gianni Versace. Uh, immediately fell in love with uh, couture um, fashion and just, you know, the, the service side of, of retail. And that was in Boston. I'm, I'm a northerner at heart. And then from Boston, I moved to New York City and I took a job with Vera Wang who really is probably one of the most renowned wedding designers in, in the industry and fell in love with the wedding industry. It was just one of those, um, you know, beautiful moments where I, I felt like I felt at home and I knew that I would be in the industry for uh, the rest of my life, hoping I'd be in the industry for the rest of my life. So I, I uh, lived in New York for a little over a year and then moved to my first husband is actually from Norfolk. His entire family is from here, not military which is interesting. But uh, so I met him in New York. We moved to Norfolk in 2003. And I took a job with a local bridal shop, uh, Tiffany's Bridal, that had been in the market for about 35 years when I bought it. And uh, it was going through a bit of a reputation problem and it was financially leveraged. And so I had a real opportunity to buy it at a premium. And so the sale went through in uh, October of 2004, and from 2004 to 2014, so really a decade, I, I spent my time really kind of fine-tuning operations, turning around customer perception, gaining back customer confidence, and really rebranding it, making it my brand. I, I was the brand. I changed the name to Maya Couture. And in 2014, I began my expansion. I opened a second location in Suffolk, uh, and it was uh, Maya Couture on Maine. And then between 2014 and 2016, I, I kind of went crazy. I bought up my competition, uh, expanded into some other areas. And while it was very exciting and really aligned with my vision, I did not take the necessary steps to really shore up the infrastructure and uh, kind of the systems and operations to support that growth. And so unfortunately, in uh, late 2017, I lost my entire business. And so that was really just very tragic um, and, and very sad for my customers and my employees and, and myself. And uh, I, I think at that point, I truly understood what, what it is to be an entrepreneur, <laughs> uh, because I think any, any true entrepreneur has a success story and, and has a failure story. Um, but in that time of, of crisis, and I really, I spent about 18 months in crisis mode, I came up with the idea for an online platform, a, a marketplace that would help bridal retailers unload their discontinued um, and overstock and stagnant merchandise. Because I was sitting, through my acquisitions, I was sitting on so much inventory, hundreds of thousands of dollars of inventory. I thought, gosh, if I could just unload this inventory, if I could just 
you know, create another revenue stream, find a way to really globalize my business and bring in revenue um, that would just at least sure up cash flow, then I could save my business. It would be a great way to, again, strengthen operations. And so I've really kind of spent the last two and a half, three years fine tuning that marketplace. And I'm actually currently doing a crowdfunding campaign on iFundWomen to raise money to get that marketplace um, out to uh, to the public. And it's, um, so it's, you know, it's a, it's a daily <laughs> uh, work in progress, but I'm having a lot of fun doing it. And, um, you know, it's interesting. I, I did a video the other day on Facebook saying that I, I wish the marketplace existed now because it would be a really great resource for bridal shops and for couples that are having to completely upend and adapt to the current health and economic crisis. Uh, it, it really is a solution for the challenges that we go through in, in the wedding industry. And, and I know you're familiar with fashion and you're familiar with retail and you know there's a lot of excess that uh, takes place, excessive spending and excessive product production. And so eWedded really is a solution for, for the consumer and for um, the businesses to you know, offload, offload their inventory and their products. Yeah, no, thank you for that overview and, you know, what a what an experience. So I'm going to take you back to, I guess, the Vera Wang days. What what are some things that you kind of learned in that time period that, you know, gave you that spark to go on and kind of acquire uh, the business that you did? Like, what, what are some of the things that maybe attention to detail or uh, maybe customer development, things like that? How did you like walk away from uh, that experience? Sure. That's a great question. So, and it's kind of twofold. I think I've always been, so from an entrepreneurial perspective, I think I've always had the desire to own my own businesses. I, I, I was always in leadership roles from a very young age. You know, I was a Girl Scout. I played three sports and captained every team I ever played on. You know, I was, I was a, in theater I, I wasn't afraid to put myself out there. I'm not afraid of public speaking. I, I definitely, uh, you know, enjoy developing people, developing businesses. I like building things. Really, I like seeing things flourish. So that I think has always been in me. And then from the wedding side of it, I just really enjoyed the experience of learning about the love that two people have for each other and being that guiding light during a very emotional, while beautiful, <laughs> very emotional and, and stressful time. You know, the relationship with a, with a bride can be over two years, depending on how, how you know, far in advance they're planning their wedding. It's not a traditional retail um, model, you really are building relationships for, for the long haul. So, and I got to learn from the best. I mean, Vera is a visionary. Uh, she is extremely brilliant when it comes to business operations, um, leveraging her name, establishing strategic relationships, and really providing the absolute best in terms of service and product to her customers. So I just, I, I fell in love with, um, you know, 
the journey with the bride, but also the the operation and how to build a, a company that is scalable and that will be around for the long haul. I mean, she is, um, you know, kind of like even like Versace that I started with Versace. I mean, they just are brilliant in how they have been able to diversify their brands and, um, you know, uh, still be uh, relevant and, and prominent and profitable and successful in any type of economy. <laughs> so I, you know, they both for me are, are really uh, icons and, and, and mentors. Yeah, that, no, that's great. And maybe, maybe expand on any, any, I guess, learnings at Versace as well. I mean, I, I've seen, uh, you know, their business has definitely evolved and changed over uh, the past few years. I think, they may be under a new uh, portfolio if, if I'm getting that correctly. Um, what what kind of things, I guess, like what 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 sets a, a brand like that apart, I guess? What what's the what is that key ingredient? I think you can't be afraid. Um, you know, one of the things that I really respected about Gianni Versace was that he pushed the envelope with everything that he did. And, you know, with, I mean, just take his advertising campaigns, for example, he, I mean, he had nude models <laughs> in his mm. advertising campaign that with, you know, Gianni Versace China covering their private parts. And <laughs> it's not the way that you would probably sell China, but he didn't care. And, and he really, he knew how to capture that shock value in a very tasteful, marketable way that got people to open their wallets. And, um, and I love that he stayed true to his personality and to his vision. I think, you know, there is, there's beauty in consistency, you know, there's success in, in consistency and staying true to, to who you are. Um, you know, one of the things that I've learned as a business owner and is that you can't be everything to everybody. You know, you have to know who your customer is. You have to know who you're going after. And then you have to put, uh, you know, the, the processes and systems in place to be able to deliver exactly what that customer wants and even beyond really what that, that customer wants. Um, you know, with eWedded, I am, I'm fine tuning, you know, that, that model and sort of who we are every single day. And I will, while, while it's a marketplace and there's tons of marketplaces that exist, uh, it is specifically for the couture and high-end uh, aspect of, of the industry. I'm not trying to serve every bride and I'm not trying to serve every business. We will be supporting those people that are in the luxury end of, of the market. And, and that is because A, it doesn't exist right now. And B, that's where my strong suit is. I mean, my entire background has been in the luxury goods market. So um, it's where my relationships lie and it's where I'm comfortable. Yeah, that's perfect. And okay, so I'm, I'm definitely, I want to dive into your new venture. Um, but I, I also, I, I wanted to touch on, because I know a lot of uh, entrepreneurs might listen to this and they're going to maybe consider buying a business one day or they're going to consider um, you know, maybe somehow partnering with an existing business, and and then you've done that. You 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 had that that successful run. What were some of the things that you did leading up to the purchase, or or like how did like walk walk me through like how did you think? Okay, I, I see this opportunity. I'm gonna go. And I'm gonna I'm gonna acquire it. Like, how did you even decide? You know, how you're gonna finance it, or you know, kind kind of just like business one on one. Like, what did you do that 
that first kind of six months, maybe to a year leading up to it, if you knew that far in advance? And then what was like the first 90 days like on the job? Like, okay, you bought it now. What What's next? Oh, the first 90 days were interesting. Wait till I get into that. Uh, but so <laughs> once um, I made the commitment to buy the business, and it was a joint decision between me and my husband, because I think the other thing, too, is when you go into business, you have to have a partner that supports you. Um, and I'm very lucky that I, I'm now remarried, and I have a, a husband who is also hugely supportive of my entrepreneurial mind. Because as you know, entrepreneurs are not easy people <laughs> to be around sometimes. We have a new idea every five seconds it's it's like squirrel right like we are so we have to we need people that ground us and uh so it was you know it really had to i had to have the whole family on board and and i think that's the first thing is do you have a do you have people that will support you and are gonna really be along for the ride because it's a wicked ride you know it's, it, there's lots of ups and there's lots of downs so that was the first piece of it and then the very first thing we did was we hired a business advisor um, because I knew we had no money. So this was the, I, I, I know one day there's a book in me on how to, how to start a business with no money. We had just moved here. We were planning our own wedding. We were living with my uh, husband's parents at the time. I mean, we couldn't rub two pennies together. And yet I had this opportunity to buy this business. So we, uh, we hired a business advisor. It was actually a family friend who had just a very um, seasoned, uh, accomplished businessman. And the very first thing we did is he helped me craft a bulletproof business plan. I mean, it was... There wasn't a question an investor or a banker could ask me that I couldn't answer. And that's, that's I think, huge. You need to know your business. You need to know your competition. You need to know what the opportunities are. What are the blind spots? What are the challenges you're going to be up against? Like, if you don't know any of that, then you're, you're coming out of the gates and your likelihood of failure is, is really, really high. So because I knew I was going to have to get a loan or investor money. And we were fortunate enough to get both. So he helped us craft uh, an investor package that we presented to friends and family. Uh, I, was, I went to five or six banks, I can't remember, but I was denied by the first four. It was the very last bank I went to that funded me. Um, so I would say to anyone that's looking to start a bit, don't lose hope. Rejection is part <laughs> of the journey and you're gonna be told no a lot. Uh, so you have to have thick skin. You gotta be able to, to pick yourself back up. So we were able to buy the business. I had an SBA loan and I had uh, investors. Um, uh, one was for equity um, and then the rest of them, it was, uh, it was uh, uh, like, like, I don't know if I say the convertible note, but they invested five grand and they doubled their money in five years. So it was five grand in, 10 grand they got paid out five years later. So it was a pretty attractive um, uh, package. So, um, you know, you got to get crafty. And if you are not somebody that's really crafty, then look to somebody who is. I mean, that could be your business advisor. It could be a business attorney. I've had bu my business attorneys help me craft um, uh, investor packages since that, since 2004. I've done three or four capital raises since that time. So there's, there's all different ways to, um, to find money. You just really, you got to do the work. You have to be willing to do the, the legwork. So we bought the business uh, in October of 2004. I was pregnant with my daughter. 
And I would say two months into owning the business, I went into preterm labor <laughs> and oh, wow. put on bed rest <laughs> for, uh, yeah, so brand new business owner. Uh, and then immediately I uh, go into preterm labor and get put on bed rest. And so for me, that was really kind of where I learned the art of delegation <laughs> and sure. um, having, having trust in the people that are working with you uh, and in, in finding, again, creative ways to stay in touch. We didn't have Zoom. I don't even think Zoom existed in 2004 or, you know, other ways for me to, to, to it was really email, kind of email and conference call was the only way that I stayed um, abreast to what was going on. But um, aside from that, my, my number one priority was really just cleaning up shop. It was both in terms of personnel. I mean, there were people there that were not believers in what I was trying to do. And so they had to go. Uh, and, and this is something that I share with, with, with business owners today and aspiring business owners. If you have people on your team that are not buying into your vision, they are a cancer and they need to go. No excuses, no excuses. And I'm sure, I'm not the only person that has kept people too long. I think it's, I think it can be a flaw uh, in a lot of CEOs um, and business owners, particularly small businesses. You know, it's kind of like a second family. You're working with people, you know, all the time. You probably spend more time with these people than you do with your family in the early days. But if they're not buying in to where you're going, they are, they're a hindrance. They have to go. So I had to relieve some people. And, and then I had to um, really just change the dynamic of, of, and the look of the, of the store itself, um, because I, I knew I wanted to take it from where it was to uh, look like it was a much more higher end, much more couture looking um, uh, environment. Even though we were not going to sell at that price point, I wanted our customers to feel that way. And so, so a lot of it was uh, just kind of like a facelift, both internally and externally. And then uh, finding vendors and designers who really spoke to the the image that I was trying the brand that I was trying to create um, and then I did a lot I mean I I call myself a natural networker I love networking uh, I actually just uh, I was the CEO of a networking startup that's what I did in between owning my company and then going back into starting you know my new businesses uh, I I like injected myself in the local community and really the fabric of Hampton Roads because I needed people to to have faith and and what I was bringing to market, and then it was all about really establishing relationships. That's awesome, and maybe we'll we'll kind of switch gears and kind of talk about what you're working on currently. You uh, you have this marketplace, so it sounds like you have to kind of fill it up both sides. Um, marketplaces are seem to be, uh, you know, kind of the beneficiary of network effects and. You know, to that point, they they can be challenging, I guess, to start up. Maybe walk us through like your 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 whole uh, kind of go to market with that. Like, what are your like? How'd you get started with it? And kind of like, you know, are you live now? Kind of talk about maybe what what you're doing. 
I'm not live now, uh, so that's what I'm raising money for now. I, again, I'm getting ready to go through. I, I have the crowdfunding campaign, which um, it, again it was a, it, it was an experience and an experiment. It's it's I think hard sometimes to raise money through a crowdfunding campaign when you have an intangible business. There's not a physical product I'm delivering to people, uh, and that is. But you you mentioned Indiegogo and in, and in one of our um, earlier co conversations and Indiegogo. I mean not Indiegogo Kickstarter. Sorry. Kickstarter actually denied my <laughs> request to raise money on their platform because I didn't have a physical product. And yeah. I was heartened by that. So, so it has been a challenge. I'm not going to lie. It's, it has not quite warranted the return that I want. But you know what? Raising money isn't easy. It's just not easy, no matter how you do it. You've got you've to constantly be you know, putting your feet to the pavement and asking to, for introductions to get in front of people. And so... I've done this many times, and I know I know that will happen. So right now, I am trying to actually raise the money to get the marketplace developed, uh, and I'm now kind of researching some more cost-effective ways to get at least a working marketplace going in light of what we're going through right now with our with our pandemic. So it's time to adapt. <laughs> it's time to be creative. Uh, but what is unique about eWedit is that it's a multi-facing marketplace. It is it is peer-to-peer. Uh, it is business to business and it is business to consumer. And you know, many marketplaces fail because they don't have enough supply to um, offer the, the sellers, I mean the buyers, right? The prospective buyers. So, so our marketplace is um, uh, really focused on establishing long-term relationships with reputable bridal retailers and bridal businesses that will have a continual flow of discontinued and stagnant merchandise to sell on the marketplace. And so they're gonna be the driving force behind always having supply and then attracting that high-level discerning customer who I like to say has champagne taste, but on a beer budget. <laughs> uh, you know, there's, yep. I knew it in my beer wang days, there were plenty of women that wanted to wear a beer wang wedding gown, but they didn't want the $10,000 price tag. And so they would go online and see if they could find that gown and, you know, uh, get it for less expensive. Now with our marketplace, it can't be current merchandise. It actually is all repurposed merchandise, both from the consumer side and the, the business side. There may be new merchandise if a wedding was canceled. So like, for instance, there's going to be about a million weddings that are affected by this pandemic. I mean, there are weddings already being canceled and already being postponed because of the restrictions that we have upon us. And I actually spoke with a bride yesterday who's not going to be able to wear her wedding gown. So eWedded would be the perfect uh, platform for her to sell that. Uh, and it's a brand new gown with tags on it, right? Never been worn. So there'll be a little bit of that, but it really is about repurposing the excess and the overstock that exists in um, the industry. And so it's, it's a bit of an eco-conscious platform as well. We're really trying to lend a hand and in, in, in repurposing and sustainability <laughs> because uh, there's about 26 billion pounds of textile that gets thrown into the global landfill every single year. It's, it's insane. Um, so we're really trying to, to um, offset some of that in, in our mission. Uh, and it really is, the mission is to, you know, um, be kinder to Mother Earth, 
to uh, enable small businesses to become global and have an e-commerce function um, attached to their bricks and mortar business and to help uh, planning couples be more eco-conscious and budget conscious because 70% of all couples go into debt paying for their wedding. It's pretty staggering. Hard. Yeah, it's staggering. It's staggering. And, um, and inventory problem is just, I mean, it's, it's massive, but I, I know it's a problem in many, many industries, but it can choke a, a bridal retailer right out of business. I mean, if they can't manage their inventory. Yeah, speaking of that, um, we're in, you know, unprecedented times. How are you, how is that impacting, I guess, your fundraise or like, how have you adapted? What, what are you doing kind of as a business owner to, you know, kind of stay on top of things, you know, just every, everywhere you look, everything's closed, but, you know, there's, there seems to be, you know, some things that we can be positive about or that we can look forward to. I'm just curious if there's anything that you're uh, doing that you found uh, maybe from an innovation standpoint or, uh, you know, moving into an online, you know, leaning in on online, you know, what type of things are you experiencing? Well, the first thing that I'm trying to do is support friends in the industry and my friends that own small businesses. Uh, you know, I, I've been through a crisis and it did not end well for me, although I do believe it was a blessing in disguise. And I can, I'll talk about that in a bit. Uh, I do believe that, you know, everything happens for a reason and it is God's plan and we just have to accept the plan, right. And find ways to, to bounce back from it. Uh, so, so the first thing that I'm doing, because my company is emerging, it's not an existing business right now is to just really be there for people that are feeling, uh, anxiety um, you know, intense levels of uncertainty and maybe even isolation because they don't know what the future holds for them. And I'm just, if I can just be a shoulder to cry on or an ear to lend so they can bounce. I that's the position that I am taking with the crowdfund. I've pulled back a little bit. I was doing a daily post on um, you know what 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 it is all about, why people should contribute to a crowdfunding campaign. I've pulled back a bit. I have about two weeks left on on the campaign, and I'm really doing more um, outreach personally to people uh, because I'm trying to be sensitive to the fact that there's so many businesses that need us to help them financially, and you know I want to be able to help as many businesses stay open. You know I'm not certainly not wealthy by any means. But if there's anything that I can do to make sure that a business that, you know, ex exists today is here on the other side of this pandemic, I certainly want to be able to do it. Um, but, you know, I think what we all need to do as business people is to um, ask for help to collaborate. Are there companies that you can align with? Are there other people in business that you can partner up with to um, you know, help each other through these challenging times? Uh, you have to be proactive. You always have to be in front of it. So if you have a business attorney, I would 
contact your attorney and see if they have advice. If you have a business coach or an advisor, how can they help you navigate through this? Do you have access to capital, whether it's through a line of credit or you know a small business loan? Like if you know you have that readily available, I would say probably tap into that. If you don't, it's time to start dialing for dollars. I mean, it's time to, to follow, first of all, what the federal government is doing, but also what's happening on a state level or a regional level, or are there people that you know that either have access to capital or know people that have access to capital, um, it's it's time to put pride aside and and really just start, if you want to be here tomorrow, start knocking on doors. So that's what I'm doing and I'm just doing it in a very sensitive way. But I think it's really important for people who are considering investing at any level, whether it's through a crowdfunding campaign or, you know, uh, uh, traditional investment um, model, we have to look at current businesses that need our help, but also emerging and early stage startups. Because the harsh reality is that there are businesses that are not going to make it through this this um, crisis. So we have to be able to support businesses that that have a solution <laughs> or that can really boost the economy um, as we're working our way out of this. I, I listened to a podcast the other day and the investor, it was a woman, her name is Jillian Manish, she said, if you have the means to invest, invest in solutions. Now, I think she was talking more about healthcare. She was focused on healthcare. I mean, it's a great time to invest in any solution that is healthcare focused, because let's just face it, that industry right now is saving us, um, like literally saving our lives. But are there other businesses or, or um, you know, technologies that are either are emerging and exist that could be a resource if we're ever in this type of crisis again. And I will tell you, eWedded is one of those. You know, there are so many bridal shops that have had to tweak their hours or um, even close, uh, you know, or their the foot traffic has dropped significantly. So if they had the marketplace to have, you know, income coming in through the marketplace that could offset some of the losses they're going to experience from their bricks and mortar traffic. I bet so many of them would leverage that right now. And that's, you know, it's where my heart is like, I really wish it existed right now. But to me, it, it, it increases the relevance and the validity of what I'm working to bring to market. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Well, this has been really informative. Um, why don't you let us know, um, I guess, let us know the crowdfunding project goal that you're looking at and then kind of where can listeners, you know, get involved with that, back it and, um, you know, where we can follow and connect with you. Sure, absolutely. So the the best way to kind of figure out everything that I'm doing is to go to the eWedded website and that is E-W-E-D-D-E-D, -E -D -D, so like wedded bliss, but eWedded.com. You'll find the link to the crowdfunding campaign. Uh, I also have a podcast um, for uh, uh, planning couples. It's Happily Altered After, which is an extension of a book that I have coming out in the next few months, uh, which is a, a narrative about you know navigating the shopping experience so that a bride has the best experience she can possibly have when she's finding her dream wedding gown. So really everything that you need to know about what I'm doing is on that um, website. Or you can go to ifundwomen.com. Great fundraising platform for female founders. Uh, and if you type in Journey to Wedded Bliss, 
then the eWedded campaign will come on up and you can support the campaign through that. Awesome. Well, this has been great. Thank you so much, Maya, for doing this and hoping you are staying uh, safe and staying healthy. Thank you so much. Doing my very best. I'm staying home. Everybody needs to stay home. <laughs> That's right. We're all home. <laughs> all right. I'm going to stop this. Thank okay. you. Thanks.